For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. We've got a, a Tuesday, I almost said midweek, almost jettisoned ahead to uh, Wednesday. No, a Tuesday get-together here on Birds 365 with your Mac and Mac guys, Johnny Mac and Jody Mac. And yes, we will be talking Philadelphia Eagles over the next two hours. But speaking of talking, we got some significant talking points from Howie Roseman yesterday. And uh, as we broadcast live, although you can't pick it up live, Nick Sirianni is talking to the assembled media at the owners meetings down in Florida. Um, We're going to certainly talk about what Howie said yesterday, but what do you think we're going to get from coach Nick today? Uh, Yeah, a little bit of the usual. You got a little bit of the usual from Howie Roseman yesterday. A lot of contradictions, which Howie seems to be very good at, but uh, you know, I, there's going to be interesting tidbits. Um, you know, as you mentioned, it's going live now, so I can't really pay attention to it. But he already mentioned a little bit of a nugget that Jalen Hurts is is working out in Southern California with a throwing coach. Uh, Got to look into that, see what that means. Obviously, that would be a change for him and an indication that the Eagles, you know, want him to do some different things when it comes to developing that accuracy we talk about all the time. So that, to me, is the most important opening salvo of what he said. Looks like he just talked about the receivers. I'll, I'll be interested to hear that because that continues to be a, a, an, an issue. He did mention Zach Pascoe is going to be an important part of it, which is not good. Um but he also said it's, you know, to be determined. So it's pretty evident that they're going to add something somewhere. Uh, more likely the draft again, I guess, at this point than not. Um, although there are a few veteran receivers on the trade market free agency that could still help. I still think it would be better to go the veteran role. Um, and how we talked a lot about that yesterday as well. And that was, to me, his biggest contradiction. He went, you know, you and I have been talking about this, Jody, and I got it again. It's interesting. It had nothing to do with Howie, but I got it again from an agent who's flat out said they got problems at that position. You know, if guys have options, they're going to look in a different direction. And it was interesting because Howie said he doesn't think it's a problem. And then he ran down the problem. And he and he had numbers to back the, it up. The, num- the numbers of targets for each yeah. of the receivers? Yeah, he said there's not a problem. Then he ran down the problem. It, it, I'm like, what are you doing, dude? And, and he even understated the problem. Every time he threw out a number of targets for Devontae Smith, for uh, Dallas Goddard, he undersold uh, how much uh, they didn't get the ball this past year. They actually had less targets than the one that Howie put out there. So, yeah, at least in Howie's mind, they need to throw the ball more next year. We Now we'll see if it actually happens. Yeah, so that was a little bit that was when I was like, What are you what are you doing? That was my what are you doing moment. Um he also said 
he joined, you know, the camp that I hate so much, Jody. He joined the We're Not Ready camp, uh, which I was surprised by. Um, so, yeah, not not thrilled with the way Howie spoke yesterday, to be honest. Now, again, you know, what does it matter? You know, it's nice. He's in West Palm Beach. He's in front of the ocean. Um, it's March. There's still a lot of work to be done. The draft is going to be a key part of this. And by the way, I want to talk about Kyle Hamilton because, man, the Eagles might be lucking into something there, Jody. Um, So there's still a lot of room to get this team better. It's just some of the messaging was weird. And I think, uh, I think an example of, you know, rabbit ears, maybe a little bit, maybe they're hearing some of the criticism about not making splashes, um, trying to spin it, trying to justify it. You can't be worried about that stuff. You can't be worried about that well, stuff. But, but if you ask the questions, you got to answer them. And as usual, even though John McMullen wasn't there, the Eagle beat writers did a good job of trying to elicit the information that they needed out of Howie. Uh, one of the kind of answering the critics uh, rant that he went off on was, about how much and everyone everyone in the building loves Derek Barnett. That uh, <laughs> the, the the opinion of Eagle fans might not be the same as in the building because you talk to the defensive quarter, you talk to the coaches, Derek Barnett with his work effort. Okay, and you gave him half of what he made last year, Howie, or somewhere thereabouts. Still no word on what the contract numbers are. It, it's almost like a state secret at this point as to how much Derek Barnett is getting paid. But whatever it is, it's a steal. It's a bargain. It's a great thing that Derek Barnett is back in the mix as an Eagles defensive line. Yeah, that's another example of, of uh, yeah, here's some of the, the criticism and Look, there's some truth to that. You know, I tell you all the time, Jim Schwartz loved the guy, um, um, really loved him. Uh, Jonathan Gannon likes him as well. I don't think to that level, but um, uh, so part of that is true. They certainly think more of him than outside the building. But um, yeah, I mean, it's clear that he hears some of the criticism, and, but he, he should have known it was coming. Um you know, this is not new. This is, and you raised your hand. You're just one of many. Yes. I mean, this is this is the narrative with Derek Barnett. It's what I talk about. I mean, I say it all the time. To be fair, he's not as bad as people project him as. Yeah, but, he is. Um, yeah, that's where you and I disagree. I mean, this is an NFL player. You don't think he's an NFL player. Um, I don't agree with that. But, I mean, from where he was... Howie knows how this goes better than anybody. I mean, he's the guy who gets all the the, the criticism for failing first-round picks versus the success if you hit on a first-round pick. That's it, It's not fair. I talk about it all the time. But that's what it is, and he knows it. It doesn't matter if you find Jordan Mailata in the seventh round. You missed on Andre Dillard. It doesn't matter if you, you know, find – You're right. That's not fair. If you're going to evaluate Howie Roseman, the drafter, you have to evaluate every single pick. And if he blows one in the first round, but he gets a steal in the seventh round like Mylotta, that kind of balances the scales. And you're right. There are too many people that don't evaluate all of Howie Roseman's picks. 
but it doesn't change my opinion that bringing Derek Barnett back was a mistake. Yeah, but I'm just I'm just pointing out how he knows how it goes. He understands. He knows better than anybody. Look, people pay and harp. They pay attention and harp on first round picks. That's what they pay. That's what you're judged on. And if you draft quarterbacks, even more so. You know, there are certain guys. I always go Rick Spielman. I if you look at Rick Spielman and he's got a long track record. It is very good getting talent, except at the quarterback position. He made a lot of bad decisions in Miami, made a lot of bad decisions in Minnesota. And, you know, you're not going to overcome that ultimately. And actually, he overcame it more than most uh, for a longer period than most. Um, You know, that's what you're judging on. GMs know this kind of stuff better than anybody. Howie should know that better than anybody. So, to me, he should handle that stuff better. But then again, handling stuff, you know, that's that's all ancillary. The more important part is building a, a, a good team. I, you know, he's got three years now, right? You know, he signed another extension. What is he worried about spinning stuff for? He's not, his job's not in trouble. I mean, I, you know, I th- that that kind of stuff bothers me. I know it probably doesn't bother other people, but doesn't bother me. That, um, that's his job. That, I, yeah, I expect it, that out of him. His his job to me is building the team and and building right. a good but team. They, but do you want him to never talk to us? Do you want him to never? No, no, no. I him? want him to tell us more of the truth. I, I want him to tell us. The obvious, like when stuff is obvious, you know, you can say, like, I'll go back to the target thing. You could say, or I'll go back to Derek Barnett thing. You can say, well, you know, he's going to be a rotational player at this point. We think it's a good value at this stage of his career. You can say that you can spin it that way. And you come across honest. And when it happens and when it unfurls that way, you come across looking better. When you talk about the receivers, you can say, yeah, we got to change the perception a little bit and then end it at that. I mean, it's obvious. Everybody knows it. There's nothing wrong with admitting it. Um, That's all I'm saying. I I would prefer more of that and we get more of the incredibly defensive. uh, No, well, this is, you know, because they went after it. It's out there. Not only me, but a hundred other reporters, different receivers, if you piece it together. Like, I never got the Robert Woods information. I said this on the show. I personally, I don't know the Eagles were heavily in on Robert Woods. I I was never able to to get the reporting done on that. Others reported it. Really, you know, good reporters. So I do trust them. Um, But then, you know, the Allen Robinson stuff and and the Christian Kirk stuff at the start, and obviously the Calvin Ridley stuff. So that's four significant receivers that you went after and were unable to get for all different reasons. And right. some aren't your fault. The, 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 the first one, most notably, and the most key one, is not the Eagles' fault whatsoever. Nobody knew that was coming um, with the gambling part of it. So, I didn't, you know, if you go up there and you're honest, I think it, I think it helps you. I think it gives you a little bit more... Um, uh, money in the bank when there is mis- uh, a mistake, maybe you'll get the benefit of the doubt. But that's just me. You know? Right. Well, I I think Howie is one of thirty one, <laughs> uh, thirty other general managers this off season that's got to do some spinning, other than uh, 
Snead in L.A. who can go, you end the picks because he just won a championship. Mm. Everybody else is spinning. So if Howie's going to do some spin, I'm not going to get Well, I do agree everybody spins, but I do think there are general general managers who are a little bit more honest around the league. I do think that. I I don't think Howie is a major deception guy. And what he said about Derek Barnett, I'm – pretty sure it's not spin it's it's only partial spin that there are guys in the uh coaching room in the locker room that uh, like Derek Barnett a lot sounds like to me like John McMullen is one of them here's why I think the Derek Barnett signing at two million dollars a season and we're expecting it to certainly be less than the 10 that he counted against the cap this year and the 10 that most people projected he would get on the open market. It'd probably be somewhere around the halfway mark uh, there at five or 6 million. Here's what I think of Derek Barnett. Is Josh Sweat going to get double digit sacks this year, Johnny Mac? I hope so. It's hard to project it on this team because they haven't had a guy since uh, on the edge since Connor Barr went. So it's, I, but I expect Josh Sweat to take that next step and get double-digit sacks, but we'll see. We, we, we shall see. I don't know if that's the case. Um, they've got two very good defensive tackles. Hargrave had a very good year last year. Kind of a better first half than second half, but if you look at it in total, it was a pretty damn good year, Pro Bowl level uh, of play. He going to get eight or nine sacks? No. You're going to expect the defensive tackle to get those kind of numbers. Yeah. There are other really, guys in the league. Aaron Donald of the world and John Randall's of the world, but they're in the Hall, you know, they're in the Hall of Fame or going to the right. Hall of Fame. Um, he, he's not that type of player. He's no. a good player, but he's not a uh, chalk up sacks kind of guy. Fletcher at this stage of his career, no. he's going to be able to get those? No. Okay. So uh, where are you going to get your sacks from? If well, Josh Reddick, Sweat's Reddick get and you Sweat eight or the, nine is the plan. Reddick and Sweat. Um, and so, they did so ma- what 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 position is Reddick getting his uh Reddick getting his sacks from? Edge rusher, defensive end. Um, I mean, again, labels to me don't matter. You know, he's gonna play Sam linebacker on running downs when I have a four-three in there. Right. Or what, you know, which is rare these days, you know, maybe 20, 25% of the time. And then when they don't, he's going to be on the edge. He's going to be rushing the passer. And Nick said that this morning, by the way, which was a good sign. Now, until you hear it from Jonathan Gannon, until you see it. But they got this player for a reason. And, and again, more than anything, when I talk about GMs being honest, more than anything, and you'll see what Derek Barnett is, he mentioned contracts tell you the truth of where a player is at least where they start not that they can't overachieve not that they can't underachieve but when you bring it and and not even third or fourth year i'm talking when you sign somebody or you trade for somebody or you bring somebody in with a specific contract it's with a plan in other words they paid them the money they paid them to go rush the passer they're gonna they're gonna let them rush the passer um, so that's where it's going to start. And then it's up to Hassan Reddick. Is he going to live up to the billing? Is he not? And that's going to tell the tale of that story, so to speak. But I mean, that's the plan. The plan is Reddick on one side, sweat on the other side, um, on the edges when you're rushing the passer and on paper, that looks pretty good. 
uh, we'll see how it unfolds. And injuries are always a part of things as well. But right. And here's here's let me I'll get back to why I think I was trying to lay out a scenario as to how I projecting and predicting the Eagles defensive, we won't even say front four, let's say seven, because Reddick is a guy who at times will play at linebacker and at times is going to put his hand in the dirt and he's going to be a defensive end. On passing downs when um, the Eagles have X amount of defensive backs on the field, I think Reddick's going to be lined up as a defensive end with his hand on the ground. So if he's going to be doing that and Josh Sweat is going to be on the other side and Brandon Graham is coming back who is returning from an injury. He didn't get anything out of him last year. Big-time leader on this team, under contract already, and the Eagles are believing that he's going to be able to come back. How many plays is Derek Barnett actually going to play? And if he's going to play any, Johnny McMullen, if they're going to use one of their three first-round draft picks on a defensive end, how is he going to slot in there? Who Who is going to be... Are the Eagles is is Reddick going to play? They're going to go to a five defensive line per, uh, package. I don't think so. So I just don't think there are that many snaps. And I know that we still don't know the numbers and the, the salary cap is a key part of it because you have to divvy up your uh, evaluations of these players and uh, put it into the cap. I just don't think he gives you anything. And I have a fear that yes, you and I started to discuss it yesterday. And I think we'll discuss it every day between now and the actual first day of the draft. Uh, when they're on the clock at 15 and 16, if they haven't moved either of their picks and the three best defensive ends slash edge rushers are off the board and the Eagles pass on the two that are left, Johnson and Karloftis, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to come on the show next day and say, JM, part of the reason they didn't go there was they got Derek Barnett back. And that room really likes Derek Barnett. And the coaching staff likes Derek Barnett. And Derek Barnett's a hard worker. And they went, will end up passing on a youthful defensive end slash edge rusher because they've re-signed Derek Barnett. And I think that could be a fatal flaw for the Philadelphia. Well, in, in that scenario, I will agree with you. I don't think they would pass up uh, one of those two runs. I, I You know, every month... As I'm sure you do, um, you know, I pay for me. It's Geico. I'll give him a free plug. I, I, I pay Geico for my car insurance and I hope I don't need it. Um, you know, that's what he is. He's an insurance policy. Um, and if he, if he ends up more than an insurance policy through any other reason than injury, which would not be the Eagles' fault, right? Um, I will be right next to you criticizing them. Um, uh, as an insurance policy, you know, I think he, I think he went with a good company. I think this is a good insurance policy, and that's how I look at it. And if it's not, if it's more than that, and if he's playing more than 30 percent of the snaps, I say thirty-five would be the the high point. Um, uh, I'll be right next to you. I'll be, you know, now I think there's a good chance those five edge rushers come off the board and let's say they get David Ojabo in the second round because of the injury and you got to wait for him again. I have no problem with that. Uh, but if they're passing over edge rushers, yeah, I'm right with you. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to do okay. that. Uh, we've got a, we got a month to wait and find out, but it, 
I, I don't even want to be, I don't want the possibility. Howie Roseman, as John McMullen called him already this morning, the spinmeister to be able to spin on draft angle. Hey, we're okay at edge. We know we're going to be playing Hassan a little at the edge. We know we've got Brandon coming back. We've got Josh Sweat on the other side. We re-signed Derek Barnett. There's four guys right there for you. So, yes, we felt comfortable with not using a high first-round draft pick on someone to come off the edge for us. I'm afraid of hearing that come draft night. And I uh, think the Eagles need – not only do they need an upgrade there, they need youth there. They need a young guy there. They need. We talk all the time about the value of a rookie contract because you're slotted in. You know what it's going to cost. There isn't a uh, derivation from year to year. They're not going to come and uh, do what we have saw a couple of key players do this year, basically force their way out of town via trade because their contract was ending. You're not in any of that kind of mess with a first-round draft pick. And I want the Eagles to have one of those guys on the edge. And I think Derek Barnett signing made it just opened up the door for the Eagles to go in another direction. And we're at least lucky to have three first round picks because it was only one first round draft pick with the needs of this team right now. Howie Roseman could have shouted from the, the yard arms yesterday. Free agency is not over. Yeah, but a lot of the top players have come off the board in free agency and Eagles still need a starting cornerback. They still need a starting safety for me, they still need a starting wide receiver. Sorry, Quez, you're a three, not a two. Those are more pressing needs than defensive end. And defensive end became less pressing a need because they signed Derek. Oh, there's a flag on the play, Barnett. Jody McDonald and John McMullen here with you on Birds 365. Quickie timeout coming. We'll be joined by our buddy from down the shore from 97.3 ESPN. Mike Gill's going to hop aboard with us here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. 
go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. You've got Jody McDonald and John McMullen here with Young Birds 365. We've got, I guess, a West Virginia fan. He's repping some colors there with his uh, choice of wardrobe. Mike Gill, did we just get you out of bed, Gill? Is that a problem here for you? No, man, I was in Florida. I just got back from vacation. Yeah, everybody's you have, you in do Florida. Have some good color, jealous, I give you that. Yeah. I live down the shore, Jody. We always have color down here. Yeah, 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 good point. Uh, I thought a BS flag on that. There was friggin' snow down the shore yesterday. Much I know. Like I w- on my house. If I had to go out last night, I would have had to use a scraper on my car. It's friggin' almost April. What the hell? Saturday, I was on a catamaran boat out in the Gulf of Mexico. And Sunday, when I woke up, it was snowing. I got snowing. something in my eye. Hold on. Let me. Let me By the way, I'm not a fan. I actually made it through West Virginia. That's an accomplishment. I got through and graduated. Yeah. Now, did Kaiser White graduate? I don't know if he did, or, or Kevin, or whatever. <laughs> I know Kevin. I don't think Kevin did. Kaiser may have. I don't know. He played in that wonky three-three-five scheme. I can yeah. tell you that much, though. Yeah. He was uh, playing in that weird three-three-five defense, which I think actually will help him out. It, it helped him. him. Yeah, yeah, it helped him. It helped him in the transition to linebacker. So give us, you're a West Virginia guy. Give us a Kaiser White scouting report. This is a better line. The Eagles have been going through this cycle of bringing in, you know, the Paul Warlows of the world, the Corey Nelsons. Last year it was Eric Wilson. This is this is a little bit of an upgrade, but it's an undersized kid, sort of that modern NFL linebackers, really a pumped-up safety, as you mentioned, Mike. Um, can it work? Is that what everybody needs in in today's NFL? Well, it, it's I like Kaiser Way a lot. He to me, he can finally do something they haven't been able to do as of a linebacker run with a tight end, run with a slot guy if he has to. That has been something they have been completely. Now Taylor is a good athlete, but he can't cover anybody. Yeah, White <laughs> White is an athlete who can cover. So. That's the one thing. Now, is he going to be able to stick his nose in there? He made 144 tackles last year, but yeah. are they getting in there uh, and making those tackles between the tackles? Mm, probably not as well as, say, Alex Singleton would, but how many times did that happen throughout the course of a game where you're getting yeah. you know run on like that in today's game? Who knows? To me, the interesting part about this is, do they play Taylor and White together and have two athletes on the field do they use Edwards and White together, you know, because you're typically running only two linebackers? Or, Jody, do they actually draft a guy and play those two guys? No, 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 no. That's not They're happening. Right. No, no. Uh, you know I'm all for it, but uh, no. it, with, with the signing of White, that told me chances of the Eagles taking a linebacker in the first round? 
completely out the window. That one is done and gone, not happening now. Uh, and I know what Johnny's going to say. Oh, Edwards is going to be on the field. Edwards had a really good season for them last year. Uh, it was week six, week seven. I said, John, uh, Howie Roseman loves to do the extension thing. Why don't they do an extension with Edwards? And two weeks later, they did an extension with Edwards. So, uh, no, I, I, I And think by the that- way, we were talking about it y- yesterday. So I want to throw this in real quick because um, I went back because I forgot and I looked at it. Essentially what they did, TJ was going to be a restricted free agent because he was undrafted. They gave him the second round tender, essentially, uh, early. So that kind of tells you, I was just talking about contracts as Son Reddick before you came on, Mike. They tell you all you need to know about what they plan for the player. And they gave him a second round tender, which is rare in today's NFL with restricted guys. That's that's pretty good. TJ Edwards played pretty well last season. Oh, I agree. I thought Edwards finally gave them a guy, and I think he's actually getting better. You know, I think he's getting better in coverage. You know, he was abysmal the year before. As the year went on last year, you got a little bit. I mean, it's it's weird that we're talking about linebackers and coverage comes up first. It's almost like we talk NBA. Well, can the guy shoot the three? It's as if that's the only thing they do. Edwards is actually pretty good against the run. The question is, yeah, uh, how much are you going to need him in that role? Who knows in today's game? It seems like it's evolving. And that's my point on the linebacker with it sounds like Roseman is having these like evolving moments of like, uh, hey, we've got to. We've got to get more targets for the wide receiver. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. And it's like you're leaving the door open to do something that you normally wouldn't do. And like I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked, guys, if they took Lloyd if he was still on the board and they had three picks. Now, if they trade one, that's out the window. But if it's the third of three picks and that linebacker is still there. Now you've got Lloyd and White starting and your two starting linebackers from a year ago are now your reserves. Well, then I'm going to ask you the same question. John and I just were debating this a little before you came on. And um, you got to put some trust in Jonathan Gannon, but in your prototypical defense and Gannon hopefully is open to change and do things slightly differently than just the one year. That's all we got is one year of judging Jonathan Gannon. Well, is Hassan White going to play linebacker? If he is a Sam linebacker... You said Hassan White. Do you mean Hassan Reddick? Hassan Reddick, my bad. I, I combined two guys together. My bad. Yeah. Uh, Hassan Reddick. If he's playing linebacker and they just gave White the money they gave him and we're singing the praises of Edwards, where is that number one draft pick linebacker going to play? Uh, unless you tell me that Reddick is going to be a down defensive lineman, which if he is, that's perfectly fine with me. I think he can actually stand up to it, even though he's a little undersized. But then why the hell did they bring back Derek Barnett? If you're going to fit, because he's going to be on the field 90% of the time, Reddick. What role is he going to play? What position is he going to play since he's their biggest free agent or acquisition this offseason? Oh, I, I think Reddick's going to do both. I think he'll be all over the place. I think you saw last year Gannon throw a lot of five looks up front. And with, <coughs> excuse me, with the two linebackers, you know, you could have him on the field and kind of move him stand up on one side, down on the other. I actually don't mind. I'm not a Barnett fan at all, but I don't mind. The fact that his number didn't come out kind of says they got him at the aha price where we could play you 20 snaps a game. I think it's kind of insurance for Brandon Graham. Who knows what's going to happen with him? He, to me, is like almost the fifth guy in the rotation now. Like, if we can get you 20 snaps and you can get just go all out for the quarterback – 
have at it. So I don't mind Barnett at that price. Now, if they paid him real money to come back, then I'm scratching my head saying, do you plan it on starting? But I think if you got Sweat and Reddick and Graham. I even think Milton Williams will get more snaps than him at this point. And you'll see Barnett as a 20-snap situational pass rusher, which he might be pretty good in that role. I mean, if, just tell him to go get the quarterback. Just don't go off sides, for God's sake. Or, <laughs> you know, or don't hit him late. But so at that price – it also, and I'll throw this to you guys, you bring Barnett in, so now you have a guy that, you know, is serviceable. To me, it heightens the possibility of taking a guy like Ojabo and saying, we don't need to yeah, play him for I a year. Yeah. <clears throat> and, especially if he falls to the second round. I mean, then it's really, you know, in play. If you can get a talent like that. And they tried it before with Sidney Jones. It didn't work oh, out. Oh, yeah. But- um, yeah, I think that would be a great plan to be honest. And that's part, I mentioned that same thing, like insurance policy. If he's an insurance policy, I love the signing. I love the signing. If he's yeah. playing 20 to, to 30% of the snaps, I'd love the signing. And now Jody's concerned is he's going to play a lot and I'm with Jody. If he plays a lot, I don't like the signing, Agreed. but I don't think, but so that's the disconnect. I don't, I don't think he's going to play a lot. I'm with you. I don't think he's getting paid a lot. And when you you readjust your filter and look at it through that lens, that's a pretty good player. That's a good depth player. Yeah, I I would agree in the fact that, to me, he's a fourth or fifth rotational guy getting half the snaps, if if, if not more, or less than half the snaps that he got the first couple of years. And I would imagine, I mean, after the whole, it's always that freaking guy, you know, we remember seeing Nick Sirianni. It's always him. Yeah. Again, like they had to have some say, hey, we're okay bringing him back. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. Nick was just down and talking this morning in West Palm Beach, and he said. I wasn't awake for that. Yeah. What a high football IQ, Derek Barnett. Jenny's going to love that. I got a question question for for both you guys, since you both kind of bought into this potential scenario. Um, Eagles will get their pass rusher. He can be a red shirt guy. And now he specifically said, you don't want to use top 20 picks on red shirt guys. You want guys who can play. But if you're going to take them in the second round, you can look at them as a red shirt guy. David Ajabo's going to hold to the 51st pick in the draft? No. Because that's I'm, where the Eagles pick. I don't so, think so. But I, I said, if he does, if I, you never know how people are going to do the medical thing. It's, you know, somebody might take him in the first round if they love yeah. the players. Well, he, was a, he was like a mid-round guy to begin with how much does the Achilles injury move you I mean does that slide you three four picks do you stay where you were or does that move you 10 I mean Sidney Jones if you go back to that he was going to be a top 15 pick probably yeah. and he ended yeah. up all this I think the Eagles picked him what 50 no, first I think it was he was more 30 something I'd have to look it up but um yeah he fell significant significantly obviously uh the kid, uh, the linebacker Dallas took is another example. He was going to be a top five pick. Yeah, Smith. Uh, Smith, Jalen Smith, yeah. Uh, and he tumbled into the second round. So it happens. It happens to even higher regarded players than than David Ojabo. Sydney now, was 43, by the way. Yeah. If, if you – now, Jody said, is he going to last the 51? I would say probably not. But, you know, you never know. 
You never know. And if he does, if I'm the Eagles, I think seriously about it. That's all I'm saying. I, and I don't think, Jody, this prevents them from taking a line, a defensive uh, pass or an edge rusher or a defensive lineman with one of those picks at all. You? Here's my fear. They're sitting there. Howie Roseman made the speech he made yesterday. We need guys who can step right in. But we can't afford to <laughs> redshirt guys when you've got top 20 picks. Which is a bigger need for them right now? Defensive end or starting cornerback? Well, definitively, the starting cornerback, yes. Correct. Which is a bigger need? Uh, a partial situational substitution guy at defensive end or starting safety? A starting safety, but now you're which is a bigger bigger need an actual number two wide receiver and Quez Watkins (laughs) slotted in as the three really should be at this point, or a situational substitution defensive uh pass rusher. Oh, there's no question. They'll make a trade for a receiver, I think, on draft day. But they had they haven't yet. As we sit here today, they got bigger needs in defensive end. Why? Because they re-signed Derek Barnett, baby. He's back in the mix. Well, now that you're now implying that you're believing what Roseman's saying. Now, this is a turn for you, Roseman. Most people say, <laughs> I don't believe what he's saying. And now all of a sudden we're taking it as gospel. He's just he's at what time is it that he's talking? He's not awake yeah. either. So he's what do I always say, Jody? He's not under oath. Not under you know? oath. Yes, yeah. I right. know that. I, especially they get on the board and Trayvon Walker's there at 15 and, and they have two picks in a row. I, I can't imagine that they're saying, nah, not interested. Plus, you also got to look at safety in the draft, Jody, and say, okay, you're starting at 15, 16, 19. Well, Kyle Hamilton had a bad uh, pro day at Notre Dame, evidently. Uh, but I can't imagine he would fall to 15. And if he does, the Eagles should leap out of the seat because uh, I think that's the best pure football player in this class. But, right. um, and I've said that to you pretty consistently. We've but you're agreed. 15, 16, 19. Let's say Hamilton's not there. I still don't think he's going to be there. Who are you going to take at safety in that position? Dax Hill, the kid from Michigan? I, I, I don't, I, don't, I you know, you got to start looking at positional value and where, where the players are now wide receiver, there might be a bunch of guys viable in that position in the draft, but then you get in the Eagles history and do they really want to go back to back to back? Could they go back to back to back Mike Gill? Could they go back to back to back at what? At wide, wide receiver. receiver. Oh, okay. In the first um, round of the draft. They could. I doubt it. I, I think they're going to make a trade. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, um, wide range, wide range. I mean, we've heard some Parker stuff. I wouldn't be certain. I mean, Miami's probably hemorrhaged draft picks. You can call them and offer them a couple. Uh, they have three fifths, Philadelphia does. I don't know what it would take to get Parker, but I can't imagine much more than a fourth or a fifth, right? Um, You've got – I wouldn't be shocked, and I know in Seattle they've been talking a lot about this, if DK Metcalf got traded and that you have three picks on draft day if it was a draft day deal that you got Metcalf for one of those first rounders. And if you look at the two receivers that just got traded, Hill and Adams, I can't, Hill got substantially more in return than Adams did, which was kind of crazy, but – I would imagine Metcalf would be somewhere around those guys, but I think wide receiver, because 
I feel like you have to get a guy who has played before in the league. Like, you can't roll out another drafted player. Even if the drafted player is – now you're going with a second-year a second year kid, a, a rookie, and Watkins and Rieger are, what, third-year guys. Pascal is basically a souped-up version of J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. So, I can't imagine that they draft a third receiver in the first round. That would be my – walking myself down that path to answer your question and say no. Michael, I, I hope you're right, because I'd love to see him go out and get DK Metcalf. But here's the problem with that deal. The Eagles' history of going top-flight payment for a wide receiver. Sign him, big buck contract during the Howie Roseman era. That guy would be Not non-existent. Not He's never done it before. He's never had a top 10 paid wide receiver acquired guy. No, you got to extend his contract. And like Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill just reset the payment uh, ramifications of wide receivers. If you're going to trade for DK Metcalf, then you got to go ahead and get a contract done with him. That's going to be really expensive. Well, and I don't know the Eagles are willing to do that. And I a thousand percent agree with what you're saying. My, my answer in my head would be, they really, really like Jalen Hurts a lot, a lot, a lot, but understand he has some limitations and probably realize they don't have to pay him like Aaron Rodgers or any of the top flight quarterbacks. So they can expend that money in another area and keep Hurts and give him more around him because they love what he brings to the team. I don't know. Well, let's go down that route because I've been talking about it a lot, Mike. You're right. They're not going to have to pay Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers-like money, but there's been an explosion at the quarterback position when it comes to salary. It's only going up because the TV revenue kicks in next year, not this year, the new TV deals for the NFL. So the salary cap's going to go up and up and up. And who are the first to enjoy those spoils? The quarterbacks. Um, Jalen Hurts is going to start talking about an extension after next year. Um, where's it start? $30 million? $35 million? Wait, per season? Yes. Yes. If he has the same year, Mike Gill, and Jody and I have talked about this a lot, so – Project this year forward. It's probably not going to happen. He's probably, the hope is he gets better, not worse. But let's just say for the sake of argument, he stays exactly the same. He puts up the numbers he did. He puts the team to the playoffs, maybe one and done. He's a Pro Bowl alternate. That's $30 million a year, that level of play. That is $30 million a year. That is the most difficult decision the Eagles have looming over them. What do you do with the quarterback position? Because the, the cost of doing business at that position for above average players is astronomical. Oh, see yeah. Kirk Cousins, see Derek Carr. Yeah, you saying it like that makes me say there's no possible way, but you know, the Ryan Tannehills of the world and Jimmy Garoppolo, what's Garoppolo make a Bradford's making 18.6. Darnold's in the 18 million range. You got guys like in that range that I think are getting paid ridiculous money. So you're, you got to look at it, you know, in context of all these guys are maybe 30 million for Jalen Hurts would be preposterous. Uh, I can't even, I, 
John he's is getting. right. It could happen. Yeah. Don't, he, don't get he, too he's out of whack. He's going to be in that it. range. If, 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 he's re- if he's playing at the same level, that is the decision you have to make because that's the cost of doing business at that position. Right. Now, I think the Eagles would have rather turn it over at that point and go to a more college mindset. And that brings me into my next question. You got three picks. You got the luxuries. People can say what they want about Kenny Pickett and Matt Corral. I don't think Malik Willis is going to be there. Do the Eagles start thinking about that big paycheck coming down the road and saying, well, let's get another guy and guess in case we got to roll this over and we keep looking and looking and looking until we find the guy that's really worth $35, dollars So you're suggesting drafting a quarterback with one of those picks, which I'm vehemently against. Uh, I guess somebody reported yesterday that they're not taking a quarterback in the first round. Who was that? Peter King, I think it was, right? Yes. Uh, Peter King and I are on the same. We had uh, our buddy Ed Kratz on yesterday, and he said, don't discount it. It's (laughs) not an impossibility. They could go there. I think it's pretty much an impossibility. I know Brian Johnson went and watched Sam Howe and they took out Pickett to dinner. I guess you got to play the game. I would be pretty shocked, to, t- to be honest with you, if they took a quarterback. However, when you gave me the $30 million price tag, I mean, at least it re-entered <laughs> That would be cheap. That, right? cheap. that would be cheap, Mike. Well, here it's such a weird dichotomy. Is this franchise who has been the gold standard, the quarterback factory, constantly putting the quarterbacks on the hamster wheel of trying to find the next one before the other one's even finished what he's done. You know, it's, you know, they have Carson Wentz. We draft a guy in the second round. Now he's running around. They get rid of Wentz. Here's a guy in the second round. You play him for a year or two. Is that your, is that your idea of a factory? Just keep pumping them out. Or do you want to find a stable guy to be here for 10 to 12 years? Or do you just not want to pay that guy? They they thought they had that stable guy, and they were woefully lo- wrong about Carson Wentz. All right, uh, John, it's that time. Time for a hypothetical, which I'm going to put to both you and Mike Gill here. If the Eagles, with that first pick, they let's say back-to-back 15 and 16, um, 19 is either traded down or uh, they uh, have traded out and gone to the uh, first-round draft pick next year. First pick, they take a guy like Gold McDuffie. They they need a quarterback. Quarterback's the biggest need. They have a big grade on McDuffie. He's there. They take him. Everybody understands it. Everybody signs off on it. The next pick, they've got George Karloftis, who is the fifth and final of the big five edge rushers. He's the only one who's still left on the board, and the Eagles have him ranked as the fifth best pass rusher in the draft. Or sitting there is the guy who can replace Jason Kelsey, who can be your center for the next decade. You're just talking about they're turning it over too often a quarterback. How about going a decade worth of Kelsey at center and a decade worth of Tyler Lindenbaum at center? Will the Eagles go pass rusher or yes. And he's got a red shirt for a minimum of a year. Tyler Lindenbaum as the next center of the decade for the Eagles. Well, that wouldn't shock me if they did. You know, I'm in the camp that says they don't need an offensive lineman this year if they want to play a guy this year, like Roseman said. But you're going to have to pay the piper on the center at some point. But I think they have enough options on the roster 
you know, think about this, guys. If they get to camp healthy, where's Sayamala playing? Is Jack Driscoll going to be the odd man out? Do you move Dickerson back to right guard and play Sayamala back at left guard? Dickerson can play center. Sayamala can play center. They have some options at center, and they have an extra guy right now, and they really like Driscoll. So if Driscoll's the odd man out, well, then if Kelsey retires, he comes back in, and then the other guy goes to center. So I think that in that case, they would probably go with the pass rusher. That That's smart thinking. That's not been the Eagles' way of doing things. They like to compile offensive linemen. They love being deep in the trenches. And if they, Lindy they Bell, are pretty deep in the trenches, though. I, I, they, I, yeah. You and I see it the same, Mike, but I'm just uh, dictating what the Eagles yeah. have done before and the way they have, at least it seems that they've handled their drafts. If Linderbaum is the number one center and Karloftis is the number five defensive end, it's the trenches, and the Eagles love the trenches. But I think they would lean toward uh, taking the higher-rated player at his position. If they're do- doing a straight board and they're just ranking them and rating them the way they are, and if they're at number 15, 16, and Linda Brown is the 11th best player on their board, and Carlottis is the 22nd-ranked player on the board, how do you pass up on something like that? Well, I, I, I yeah, if you're going off best available, then you're pro- they're going to go off the board and take best available. They'll take... I guess the center, if that's how they have them ranked. But don't you think that's going to be something? What, what are they going to do with Sayamala and Driscoll? Dickerson's going to play, that's for sure. But what yeah. happens with those two guys? Well, one of them well, is going to get hurt. Right. You know they always do. I, I you know, Isaac uh, will start at right guard. I, the thing about people forget about Isaac, you know, he can play anywhere. He played right tackle in his rookie season in Baltimore when they needed him. Um, they love Isaac Samalo. Isaac's going to play. He's going to play right guard. They're really happy, I think, with Landon Dickerson at left guard. They don't want to. They don't want to mess up Landon Dickerson and Jordan Mailata because they were just killing people. That big, no. Does that team. mean that they don't view Dickerson as a center long term now? Center, the long term, you know, for years, Jeff Stoutland has told me that's Isaac's best position. So that's been the plan in house for for a couple years. They think he's just smart. They think he's uh, now, if you remember going way back, though, the plan for years was when the Eagles drafted Lane Johnson, well, we're going to start him at right tackle, then he's going to move the left tackle when Jason Peters retires. And Jason kept playing and playing and playing and playing and playing. And all of a sudden, Jeff Stoutland showed up one day and said, no, we're not moving Lane because he's so good at right tackle. We're not going to mess with that. So it could always change. But I think you're right. Right now, I think Isaac would be the guy. And Jody, man, I I wouldn't go near. I've said this. I wouldn't go near that kid, uh, Linderbaum. I and this is for everybody because they think he's the next Jason Kelsey around the league. I'm not saying the Eagles. Right. Everybody because does so, because he's so undersized. Go back to your draft guys, guys, and look at Garrett Bradbury coming out of North Carolina State. They said the exact same thing about him, undersized athletic, and he's undersized and really athletic, and he gets beaten up on a daily basis by the big defensive tackles in this league. I think the same thing is going to happen to Linderbaum. I wouldn't go near him. Just because Jason Kelsey can do it doesn't mean everybody can do it. And when you're that small, 
it scares the living you-know-what out of me, and the Eagles are fine at center. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with that even a little bit. And I think they would be making a mistake, but that's just a personal. And then just let me get on record. I'm not suggesting they should do this. I'm just suggesting what most people are saying about Lindebaum and what teams think about him and where he fits overall and power ratings of all players on the board. And like the, oh, I know. Not the Eagles on rating him highly because a lot of teams have him rated pretty damn high. And I'm just handicapping the Eagles track record of, you can never have enough offensive linemen. Not what I would do. Not what John McMullen would do. Not what Mike Gill would do. But I'm just asking the question as to, are the Eagles going to stay in character and think about something like that? Yeah, it definitely would be in their character, offensive line. I mean, they believe in building uh, up front on both sides of the football. So I'm not discounting it. I would just, I would just steer clear. And maybe it's not fair because of Bradbury, but they said the same damn thing. In fact, I remember, in fact, it was it was DJ. And I have a ton of respect for Daniel Jeremiah. And he said Bradbury was the cleanest pick in the draft. Cleanest pick. I remember cleanest day. And he he's not strong enough. He's not big enough. And he gets he gets beat up. And you know, it Kelsey is a rare, rare bird. Uh, but uh, it was also I, a sixth round pick. Yeah, true, and and that's the second part. And you're taking these guys. Bradbury, I think, was 17th overall. Lindenbaum might go even higher than that. Boy, that scares me. But again, that's just personal. Uh, so we'll wrap this up. Mike Gill, listen to him. Uh, South Jersey down the shore, 97.3 ESPN drive time, number one in the market, has been for years and years and years. Uh, we used to do uh, a segment together. That went pretty well as well. So uh, listen to Mike down there. Wrap it up with the wide receiver position because Nick Sirianni, there's been this sort of uh, from me and others that the Eagles are having trouble recruiting at this position, essentially. They've tried to get in the mix for Allen Robinson. Kind of understandable why he chose uh, the Super Bowl champions. Christian Kirk, they were in on. He got overpaid in Jacksonville. Uh, they wanted Robert Woods, but Robert Woods wanted to go to Nashville. Um, Calvin Ridley, not so much their fault. But you can see the narrative developing. All different reasons. Did they have a problem recruiting at wide receiver, do you think, Mike, right now with these veteran players? I don't think there's so much that they have a problem in terms of recruiting them. I think it's their situation that they're in. The quarterback is still an unproven commodity for wide receivers around the league. And if I have a team that's interested in me, that has a guy throwing me the ball that I have more trust in, and we're getting the paid the same, I'm going to go to where I think the quarterbacks are. I think that's, I don't want to say an indictment on Hurts, but he needs to show. And look, the offense didn't, I don't want to say didn't do him any favors. They scaled the offense back to cater what they were good at, running the ball. So if you're a receiver, you're saying, they got this good offensive line. They ran the ball really well. They had this quarterback who I don't know enough about. Are they going to get me enough touches? So I think it's a fair assessment by the wide receiver. Um, now, I think Howie's going out and saying, we need to get more targets for our, our guys. Is that his way of trying to tell the next guy, we want to throw the ball more. We want to get you the ball more if you decide to come here. I don't know who that guy would be because if you make a trade for a guy, that guy has to come here. I mean, unless he's got a no trade clause. 
I guess in today's world, you could say, I don't want to go anywhere. And then they might have to compensate for that. But if they make a trade, that person doesn't have a choice. Uh, I don't know on the wide receiver free agent market if you're still shopping down that aisle at this point in the game. But sure, their offense has to prove this season if they want to get in the wide receiver game next season, which I hope you don't have to at this point, right? You've drafted a receiver. And if you bring a guy in, you hope – unless you get a guy like Landry on a one-year deal, I mean, is that something that – could be a possible, you know, could he just, he asked for 20 million. I yeah, his number's got to come down. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, sure, for this offseason, I think it's fair to say. But I don't think that's an indictment on your whole organization long term. Hi, Mike, last one for me. Um, it's been almost 14 months since we last heard from the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles and Jeff Laurie jumped on after they moved off uh, Doug Peterson and in part explained it away as they weren't on the same page about the direction of the Eagles for 2022, that the Eagles were in a transitional year and Doug Peterson either didn't grasp it or didn't want to grasp it. And that's why they felt they needed to part ways. And transitional year is something we've been discussing for the last 13 months because it was the way the owner described the Philadelphia Eagles going into the next season. You got a good catchphrase word that the owner could float out there this year to describe what the 2022 Eagles are supposed to be? feel like they need to find Sam Henke and come up with some sort of slogan, right? I mean, yesterday they, they said they don't want to go all in. You know, this isn't like an all-in mentality. You don't want to – what do you say? You don't want to take the pillars off the house or something? What was that comment yesterday? He said something to that effect. Yeah, the pillars. I, I don't – yeah, I heard the foundation. You have a lot of young players on the field. You don't want to take them off the field. So yeah. if you're building a house, you don't want to take the pillars off. You know, so they're trying to suppress some of the expectations. I'm wondering if they're – in their mind, you had a team that won nine games last year, went to the playoffs with no expectations. They make the playoffs – and they trying to tell people, well, don't think we're going to go win the Super Bowl now because we won nine games last year and we have three number one. And by drafted. the way, Mike, the NFC stinks. The NFC keeps losing players to the AFC. I always tell Jody, I joke, they're going to get teams in Scranton and 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 Reading because they're a triple A affiliate now. So why the hell can't the Eagles make oh, a run in the NFC? Absolutely. But you know, like we don't want people telling us before the season starts, you're one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl or be in the Super Bowl, because then if you don't, now you're starting to get looked at as you failed this year. They don't want to get looked at as you failed. They want to get looked at as we're continuing to grow. All right, so continue to grow is what my grow is. Mike Gill is going with with us here. I'll have to Mike, come up with something better. I'll come up yeah, with something better. Feel free. Feel well, free grow, to text John. You just go right to the flower analogy. You're there still you in the, you know. Ooh, water, yeah. I, I, I hadn't thought about the flower analogy in a yeah. while. Well, yeah. you got to revisit that one. Mike Gill, always a pleasure. Go West Virginia. Got uh, good color. Go out and get some uh, cold air today. You're going to be really nice on the beach. 36 degrees. Uh, you go enjoy yourself out there on the beach today, Gil. So windburn. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Gil here with us on Birds 365. All right. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac coming back. Les Bowen in about 20. We'll talk to him certainly about the Eagles, but about his new gig, NJ.com. Les Bowen racked back on the regular beat. He'll join us in about 20 on Birds 365. <laughs> 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Johnny Mac and Jody Mac. Mac and Mac guys are birds 365 every day here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel where we beg you. We really do. We're pleading for you to do what, John McMullen? Uh, like, share, and subscribe. Yeah, I've been bad with that uh, recently. I, I got to I, I get back No, that's on me. I got to tee up. You, you haven't yeah. been bad. If I don't tee up, it's kind of on me, but I pass the responsibility to you because you're better at it. Uh, but if I don't tee you up, then that's not your problem. That's a that's a me problem. Uh, let me get to one other problem I have before we expand on the conversation. I want to talk about a couple other things league-wide in addition to all the Eagles talk because we're going to go back to talking Eagles with less coming up here in 15 minutes. Um, uh, we love all you guys who stream comments during the show. Uh, I know Cilio's got his show later in the day, and he uh, – goes back and forth with the people on the stream more than John and I do because John and I kind of have each other to talk to. So uh, he, John's got a lot to say. I got a lot to say. So we don't have as much time. 
to go to the stream as uh, a guy like uh, uh, Cilio does, who's got his show by himself. So he, he, he gets you guys involved that much more than we do. I apologize for that. That, too, is on me, and we don't do it often. Except if somebody says something that really jumps out at me. And I saw this while we were in commercial. Daz Deals, who just uh, put this in, shoot, five minutes ago. Uh, right now, we, and I'm assuming he means Eagles, uh, are the third best team in the NFC East. We need a lot of pieces. Really. Uh, if you missed it yesterday, John Machota was on with us. Dallas Cowboy beat guy from uh, The Athletic did a really good job. And it's available. You want to go back and watch it, get Machota's take on it. He was uh, not only uh, giving us great information, but good, solid opinion on it, too. And he wasn't going nuts over the Cowboys. He's not one of those Cowboy Homer guys. He gives you the real deal with the Cowboys. Cowboys have come back to the Eagles this offseason. I think the Cowboys have a lesser roster. We're getting on Howie Roseman because he hasn't done enough in free agency. The Cowboys have regressed as far as I'm concerned. And we're going to try and get a Washington guy. Well, we're going to get a Washington guy. Grant Paulson um, from the fan down in Dallas is uh, in Washington is going to join us uh, later in the week. We're working on a giant guy. We wanted to touch down on all the divisions. Who out of the commanders and or the Giants has gone past the Eagles in the NFC East, J-Mac? Because this uh, guy, they, they, Daz third? Deals, has yeah. him third in the division. I guess it's a Carson Wentz fan. That's the only thing. I mean, I don't know how you spin the Giants. I mean, the Giants are in the transitional phase with the new GM, the new head coach again uh, for them, which has been sort of like a two-year sort of rotation. Um, they're desperately trying to cut bait on Saquon Barkley. Uh, nobody believes in Daniel Jones. <laughs> I mean... I, I will say, and this is a concern for Richie James, who's essentially a nobody, chose the Giants over the Eagles. That's another wide receiver. Although I think the Eagles wanted him more as a kick returner. Um, but, you know, that's that's was a weird sort of thing. But that's a minimum salary guy. Um, no, it, but here's the thing, Jody. I, you know, and I get it, and I say this all the time. Look. Fan bases care about their team, and they they should. It's obvious as to why, but they don't pay a lot of attention to what's going on in other cities. And there are some major issues in just about every city in the NFC. So when you're talking about the Eagles have to add, to, yeah, they have to add a lot. So does everybody else, including Green Bay, including uh, Tampa Bay, including the Rams, and those would be the three teams they would say, okay, those three teams are still pretty good. Uh, and they are. And they're going to be playoff teams as long as Tom Brady stays healthy, as long as Aaron Rodgers stays healthy. They're obviously going to make the playoffs. Um, after that, there's no reason to say the Eagles are behind anybody in the NFC. Could they be, be behind people? Of course, if they make bad decisions. Of course, if they play poorly. But my point is, this thing is wide open. And if you're going to tell me this team, if you're going to, what was me, card me, which Howie, maybe that's the reason why he kind of did it. Well, we're still building, we're uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, all right, if you're going to buy into that, there is no reason 
the Eagles can't win the NFC East next season. There is no reason they can't win a playoff game. And when you win a playoff game and you're in the second round of the playoffs, hey, I'll take my shot. Who knows from that point forward? Um, I'm just so I haven't seen nothing out of the commanders or the Giants that make me Carson Wentz, baby. Uh, okay, uh, let me reiterate. I've not seen anything out of the commanders or the Giants that make me think they've improved during this offseason. So, yeah, I see the Eagles no worse than the second-best team in the NAC East as of now. I are think- the New York Giants going to scare an Eagles fan, Jody? Uh, recent history. At least, How are the here's, New York- here's what I'll give the Giants. They at least did beat the Eagles last year, right? Yeah. I the mean, commanders but- didn't. The, what, the team didn't, the ex-Redskins didn't, whatever you want to call them, that football squad from Washington. Well, now they got Carson Wentz last year. Now they got At least Carson the Giants Wentz. did. Now they got Carson Wentz. Okay. I, I, Carson you know, is the difference. Huh? I, w- I would be more concerned about Washington than the Giants, not because of Carson Wentz, but because of you mentioned the Giants, were, and that was a horrific performance by – that was Jalen Hurts' worst game of the year. We know it. The Eagles should have won the game, but hey, things happen. Washington, obviously, when they were up, they were a better team than the Giants. And then the COVID stuff hit, and they were down to the 17th quarterback and all that stuff. Washington at least has some players. You look at the defense, defensive line specifically, and Chase Young, if he gets healthy and ever turns the corner. And Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, if they don't kill each other, you know, still some talented people. Um, but they lost Brandon Sheriff on on you know their best offensive yeah. lineman. There's people taking hits all over the NFC. I don't know why people are scared of any of these teams, but I would rate the Commanders slightly ahead of the Giants, and not because of Carson Wentz. I'm not a fan of the quarterback of either of those two teams, so there's no way I'm putting either one of them in. And I know Jalen Hurts is what he is. He's a middle-of-the-quarterback, middle-of-the-pack quarterback guy that you hope can elevate a couple more slots and get up into the top 12. But I am doubting highly Carson Wentz or Daniel Jones getting there. So, And I know quarterbacks don't decide everything, but it is a big part of it. And I think the NFC East is pretty quarterback NFC East is quarterback week, uh, including Dak Prescott, who's now officially overpaid, but is still the best quarterback by far in this division. I wanted to ask about Roger Goodell before we get um, last forward up here. Um, Roger's expected to speak today the same way Jeff Flory is expected to speak today. Uh, the NFL came out with a new mandate yesterday that each team in the league is going to be obligated to hire an individual coach, or they may even come up with some other way to describe it, uh, to a minimum of a one-year contract. And they are going to be obligated to work with the offense in some way, shape, or form connected to the quarterback because the way movement has gone as far as coaching in the National Football League, it seems to be you need to be tied to a quarterback or a quarterback coach touched by the hand of, the God, of God. I mean, uh, Sean, out there in L.A. Um, <laughs> but the, the new mandate is you must hire a minority person, and minority includes women as well, for an offensive position. 
I've got less of a problem with the mandate of you must hire someone to put it on your coaching staff than I do. It's got to be an offensive player. Why on the offense? Really? I know it's a offense dominated league and that the quarterback is the most important and it all flows from there. But um, you're going to make sure that you're getting more minorities on the offensive side of the ball. Kind of turns. I I get it. I get what their general um, uh, goal is, but is this the right way to go about it? Um, No, it's not. Um, It's a very difficult problem, and I'm the first to admit I don't. I don't have the answers. If I had the answers, but man, this came across to me as so convoluted. Number one, aren't you turning defensive coaches into a, a, a minority? Yeah. doing this all of a um, sudden yeah um number one i mean but it is it's it's the landscape of the league everybody's looking for offensive guys um and you know you see even in that environment you do see the occasional defensive guy um you know break through brandon staley an example um and i do think you know bill belichick is usually ahead of the curve on just about everything in the NFL. And, you know, he loses Josh McDaniels. Do you see who's moving to the offensive side of the ball in New England? Have you seen that? Mm, no. Matt, Patricia, and uh, Joe Judge are going to be offensive coaches now. Um, <clears throat> you know, and it came, you know, Andy Reid did it way back in Philadelphia. He got laughed at it with Juan Castillo. With Castillo, yeah. It didn't, didn't work. But football coaches think football coaches are football coaches. In other words, you can coach more than one position. You can have more than one expertise. And we'll see how it works out for for Bill, but he's got the cachet to do stuff like that. Um, generally, other people are, are, are scared of it. Um, so that, to me, was interesting. But getting back to your original point, um, I, I mean, it, look, they're – they're trying to do something to look like they're trying to do something. I mean, what what is having somebody in with, we'll use the Eagles as an example, the, their sort of brain trust of their offense. It's Nick Sirianni, it's Shane Steichen, it's Kevin Petullo, and it's Brian Johnson. Well, in this particular instance, you know, Brian is already a minority. Um so in theory, he would be, and he got some feelers at least to be an all, all offensive, <clears throat> excuse right. me, an offensive Green coordinator. Bay? Was it Packers uh, who Green Bay. came knocking? Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. And so he got some feelers already, uh, Jody. Um, so he's heading in the right direction. It's a guy who got some college coaching um uh, offers, uh, interviews before he came to the Eagles the year prior. Um, so he's a guy who's on the uptick. Um, I just don't, you're going to, you're going to add somebody else into that mix with those four guys that they don't trust. Um, (laughs) and, and you think this is going to speed up things. I, I, I don't, I don't think it is. Coaching has always been, and this is part of the problem, it's always been a who-you-know business. You know, guys hire who they know, who they're comfortable with, who they want, 
who they're, you know, they're not going to just hire somebody that they don't know because they got the Harvard degree or, you know, they're really bright or this or that. It's not, you know, Lehman Brothers. It's not Wall Street. You know, these guys hire people they're comfortable with. And inserting somebody they don't know into that bubble, I don't think is going to solve the problem. But I also freely admit I don't have this. I don't have the the uh, the problem solving skills to 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 do that either. I just think this seems so convoluted to me. That's the word that came to my head when I read it. What what? How did you see it? Yeah, same thing. Uh, and as I said before, I turned the question on you. The fact that it's got to be tied to the offense that just doesn't make sense to me. They're trying to get opportunity for minorities, and that's a good thing if you're trying to broaden your base of all the people that are getting chances and then prove that they deserve a bigger chance. And Good for the NFL on the, the thought process behind it. But it's it's really come to that that if you don't in some way, shape, or form interact with a quarterback, well, you're never going to go anywhere. Well, your job is a one-year <laughs> defensive coach, but it'll be nice knowing you after that because we're just going to bring in a different minority because, oh, you didn't get to work with the quarterback. You weren't around the quarterback. You didn't get touched by the hand of the quarterback. So I, that bothers me. I'm still a guy, and the other rule they're contemplating is the potential change to overtime. That'll uh, we hear about that over the next couple of days coming out of these meetings. Um, I'm a guy who still believes there's no need for a change in overtime. Play some defense. Get a stop. The whole, yeah. Oh, each team must have the ball. By the way, Kevin overtime. Kincaid's going to be on the show. You got to hit him up with that because he's one of those guys who doesn't like people who say play some defense. And I'm with you. Play some damn defense. So we're going to gang up on Kevin. All right, we, can, we might have we might have Kincaid on Friday. I got to get back to him on that. Oh. But and and here's the way that that is defeated that conversation. You had back to back overtime games it in the AFC it this happens. year. The Kansas City Chiefs got the ball first and went right down the field and scored. Oh, what an affront to football that Josh Allen didn't get a chance in overtime. Seven days later, the same exact thing happens. Cincinnati Bengals, yep, Kansas City Chiefs go thing. into overtime. Chiefs win the coin toss again, and what happens? Shockingly, the Bengals got to stop. They didn't allow Kansas City to go down the field yeah. and stick it in the end zone. And by the so way, what did they do to win the game? And I, everybody was, woe is me, oh, the game's over. No, the game isn't over. You have the opportunity to do something on the defensive side of the football. But but you're right, and and uh, you know that that rule and the fact that you're just specifically centered on offense tells you all you need to know about the modern NFL. We talk about nobody cares about the running game in March. Nobody care. Nobody cares about the defensive guys. Well, they're not going anywhere. You're right. It seemed very very convoluted to me. Right, but who just won the Super Bowl this year? The Los Angeles Rams. Who's their best football player? Aaron Donald. There you go. Thank far. you very much. Well, Cooper Cup might have been in He's a very good player. Cooper Cup's a dynamite player. This an outstanding year. Best this player. year. This the year. best player on the Los Angeles no, it's Rams. it's still Aaron Donald. Is still Aaron Donald. So and he won the Super Bowl, by the way. Him. He made the play. He made the play that sealed the game. Very similar to Brandon Graham in Philadelphia. I am a who guy sealed who, the deal. who gives the proper respect 
to defense in the National Football League in 2022. And that's why I want no part of Derek Barnett on the Eagles. But it's a done deal now, so there's nothing we can do about it. All right, Jody Mac, Johnny Mac, the Mac and Mac guys, coming back next with our buddy and new Eagles beat writer for NJ.com. Les Bowen's going to join us here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mega Mac guys here on verse 365. We are joined by one of our favorite guests. Uh, Les Bowen joins us. Les, any truth to the rumor that the reason why you weren't full-time on the Eagle Beat this year was because you thought John McMullen was going to give you COVID, and now that the NFL (laughs) has uh, dictated that COVID is over and no longer exists, that's why you're back in the fold as a regular beat guy. Sure, that's it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody was tested more than me, Jody. I was the safest person in the history of mankind. Uh, I had to get tested every day that first year, Les. Every stinking day. Wow. So I was the safest person you could be around. But they they keep pulling you back in, NJ.com. Congratulations on the new gig. And I want to I want to start there because um, you wrote a piece about 
Um, Eagles future isn't now. Mm-hmm. And Howie Roseman talks up the draft. I was a little surprised the way Howie spun this offseason, especially the way around the league that things have been going for the NFC. You've seen this massive uh, shift of, of, of star players going to the AFC. The AFC looks like a murderer's row. The mm-hmm. NFC, yeah, you still have Tom Brady's back, but Tampa Bay's taking some hits. Aaron Rodgers has taken some hits. Devontae Adams, most notably. Aaron Rodgers, you have the Super Bowl champions. The larger point, though, Les, there aren't a lot of great teams in the NFC. Why are the Eagles soft-pedaling this whole thing in the we're-not-ready sentiment that seems to be so prevalent in the Delaware Valley? Yeah, it's – I don't know if – I wasn't surprised by it, but it comes from a few things. One is that they haven't been able to do everything they wanted to do this offseason – uh, you know, the Calvin Ridley thing, I think, was a pretty big deal that they didn't get done uh, because he got suspended by the NFL for gambling. So they haven't added a difference making wide receiver, which everybody thought would be a huge priority for them this offseason. They did add an edge rusher in Hassan Reddick. They've added a starting linebacker on a one year deal, Kazir White. Uh, but you know, they safety, they brought back Anthony Harris, which I don't think was anything they really wanted to do. Uh, and they brought back as Jody mentioned, uh, Derek Barnett, which I'm pretty sure they didn't really want to do, but they kind of felt like, uh, it's cheap and he knows the system and, you know, depth and all that stuff, but it's not very exciting. And I think that was how he's, uh, you know, the spin how he wants to put on it is that it's really about the draft, which I think is ultimately true. I mean, that's when you have three first round picks and five in the first hundred, you know, and you have a team that just barely squeaked into the playoffs with a pretty easy schedule and then got manhandled when it got to the playoffs. I think, you know, I think that's a realistic appraisal of where they are, but could they be somewhere better? You know, if, uh, you know, if they had Ridley, if uh, if they'd gotten one of those safeties, yeah, they could be, you know, and we might be sitting in November thinking, boy, you know, things have kind of gone backwards this year. And, uh, you know, they're playing a lot of young guys, but it sure would have been nice uh, to have gotten those pieces that they didn't get in the offseason and, and, you know, maybe be uh, leading the NFC East or something. Uh, it's hard to know right now how that's going to go. But he did talk about one thing I was really interested in. He talked about these guys are going to play, you know, these guys that they draft. Mm-hmm. And I've often heard general managers go exactly the opposite way. You know, when you have a really good team, you talk about the draftees, you know, not playing right away and you're drafting for the future and you're not really, you know, expecting these guys to run out there and, you know, save your team uh, day one. He's kind of, you know, he's kind of like, well, we've got to we've got to keep some holes open for our for our draftees, <laughs> which I don't know that I've ever heard an Eagles yeah, general we manager keep, say that yeah. before. It, so it was kind of remarkable. It, it, the session was in in, this, in a couple different ways. Well, and what I liked, and now we'll see if it actually plays out that way, is the fact that he used the word redshirt. You got, you got picks yeah. in the top 20. You don't yeah. want to redshirt him and redshirt him and redshirt the other guy. So we'll see if it actually goes that way. Uh, but I want to go back, and it's probably going to be a little bit of a semantical debate, uh, but you included in your article today, Les. 
the fact that Howie Roseman in explaining the entire offseason included the fact that they got a contract extension done with Maialata during the year. And they got one done with Josh Wett during the year. And they got Devontae Maddox signed to an extension. And they got Dallas Goddard locked up. All four very good moves. But just in my mind, I add that to the 2022 season, to 2021 season. It was done in 2021. And when you, at the end of the year, add up the tab and see what kind of a year Howie Roseman had, because he got those contracts done, I would say, and oh, by the way, Eagles went from 4 11 and 1 to 9 and 8 and making the playoffs. 2021 was a banner year for Howie Roseman. Good job, Mr. General Manager. And then you draw the line. The season ends. Your roster is frozen. You draw the line. And now we start to evaluate again. Howie kind of wants to dip back into 2021 and say, yeah, but if I hadn't signed them, they would have been free. Okay, but you did. You got them signed. Am I drawing the line in a fair place to say, Howie, listen, I give you credit for 2021. That was a really good year for you. But we've started a new year in 2022. Can't go back and claim victories from 2021 and apply them to 2022. Am I being fair in the way I look at it? Yeah, I think you are, Jody. I uh, this is spin. You know, this is more deflection of what hasn't happened in free agency. It certainly is important that they did those things. You can't yeah. argue with the need to re-sign those players and the fact that that does help set a foundation going forward, but it's not anything that that's really, you know, it's not an addition to anything. It's just kind of keeping what you had and it, it doesn't really play into any narrative about the off season of, of 2022. As you said, it, it's kind of neither here nor there. Yeah. The time frame, though, to play a little bit of a devil's advocate, uh, and I do think there were a ton of contradictions in that press conference as a whole. But I, I will say the timing, and, and I look at it this way, Les, if the Eagles didn't identify these particular players early like they typically do, and they've really done since you know Joe Banner was here, uh, that's how they do business. They identify who they want. They strike early to get the best deals possible. If they went the other direction, and Jordan Mylotta played like Jordan Mylotta played, they probably got to put the franchise tag on him, uh, to be honest. Uh, if, you know, they don't mm-hmm. want to lose him. And then they work out things from there. Uh, uh, Josh Sweat would have got a big deal. Dallas Goddard would have got a huge deal. In fact, they would have been having that discussion. Who do we put the franchise tag? Jordan right. Mylotta or Dallas Goddard? Avante Maddox would have been one of the better slot corners, which is not a highly paid position. So I guess my point is if the Eagles did do that, people would have been more excited that they would have had to pay more to get these players back, but they would have felt better because they happened in the off season. So I will give Howie some credit for identifying. And then you add in the Calvin Ridley move, as you mentioned, if I tell you Les Bowen, all right, the Eagles got Calvin Ridley, Hassan Reddick, and Kaiser White. Yeah. You'd probably say that's pretty good. Fair yeah, or Yeah, if not they'd fair. gotten one of those two, Reed or the other safety, Williams, Marcus Williams, uh, that they tried to get, you know, you'd say they did everything that they hoped to do, and they're probably going to be 
you know, a co-favorite with Dallas for the division title. Um, but, you know, they haven't. <laughs> Those things no, yeah. aren't there. And, I, get, uh, I just find the perceptions change with the timing, what oh, Jody yeah. was saying. Yeah. The perceptions change dramatically. With the and the timing. draft is going to reset the table pretty dramatically, John. You know, it's three first-round picks, even if they trade one of them away for something, uh, there's going to be a lot of focus on that and a lot of hype around that. And they really ought to, if they stick to the draft parameters that they used last year, I, I really think, you know, they're in a pretty good mode right now of not reaching for, you know, crazy things like they've done in the past. They really ought to be able to, to capitalize on this bounty of draft picks and their defense. I don't know if fans really understand their defense is old in, in the key positions. You know, it's, it was not a bad defense last year. It was much better than it had, you know, down the stretch than, than it started out the year and, and maybe was before, but the key players are over 30 and you can't, you know, you're not building with over 30 guys. You need to replace, or at least, you know, you need three or four really good young players uh, added into this mix. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to do that. I think you'll see an edge rusher. I think you'll definitely see a safety uh, and, and a corner, you know, out of this draft in the first few rounds. And I think that's, that's going to become the narrative of the off season, whether it's really going to change their fortunes in 2022 or not. I think the draft is going to kind of take the, take the onus off of Howie for quite a while, assuming he doesn't do something crazy and draft players that nobody wants, you know. Mm -hmm. And we it might not have been on draft day. Sometimes <laughs> it is actually on draft day. We decide a couple of years down the road that we, in 2020 hindsight, said, what the hell was Howie thinking in the first round? Yes. Um, and I'll give Howie this much credit. He didn't take credit for Fletcher Cox, who also was a free agent. Yeah, about what an hour and a half before he got him re-signed. You could have put that in the win column too, Howie. Yeah. If we're gonna go back uh, six months to when you did a uh, an extension for a guy like Jordan Mylata and call that a W, why not take take a victory lap on Fletcher Cox? He was a free agent who you brought back at fourteen million dollars, which I'm sure he, uh, I'm not sure that he's worth it. But again, I'm getting off course here. All right, let's Bowen. So if they're going to use, we'll only use two. They may use all three. Mm -hmm. um, they may trade down in the first round, which would still count for a first round draft pick, but it would change the dynamic if they're down in the lower 20s because the team wants to move up and say, take a quarterback. I don't know. Um, what positions are they going to take? And I know we still got a month to go before they get there. Yeah. There's still free agents out there. But listening to our yesterday, it sounded like the Eagles aren't close on doing anything else, either free agency and or trade to fill a positional need. Where do you think he's going to go? If players have values right. at that spot and the Eagles can, as how we alluded to yesterday, pick players who can come right and come right in and play because they don't want to redshirt anybody. What are the two main positions that the Eagles will be looking to fill in the first round of the draft? Well, I hope they don't really, really approach it quite that way. You know, I don't want to ever draft by position. I mean, you want to see what, when you get to that first pick that you have, you want to see, what's on the board. And if there's a, you know, even if it's uh, let's say tight end is a position where they're really loaded pretty well, but if the greatest tight end in the history of football is sitting there, 
you take him. But, you know, uh, that having been said, I think the two things I would like to see would be a wide receiver and a corner. Uh, first of all, you know, really difference makers uh, at those positions and a safety sometime in the first couple rounds, certainly be nice, like second round and get like a, one of, somebody like that Brian Dawkins guy that they drafted. <laughs> they can only get that uh, second round. Those are positions that I'm looking at primarily. The edge rusher will, will definitely be right up there. That might be their first pick, uh, you know, but uh, you know, those are, that's where it's going to be. It's not going to be a running back or probably not a quarterback. We, we assume that would be something, wouldn't it? If, if how he goes with Malik Willis at 16 or something, you know, but uh, you know, I, I think you're going to see defense. I think you're going to see a wide receiver, you know, those are their priorities. Well, let's talk about it. that would be something. I, I don't think you have to worry. I think Malik Willis is going to be, you know, how Gone. quarterbacks. Yeah. He'll, he'll be top 10, but you know, the other guys, there's at least a slight possibility. I, I, you know, one of the interesting tidbits to Nick Sirianni this morning last uh, at the coaches breakfast, which is evidently no longer a breakfast. Uh, they're just at a podium now, but uh, it, it, he mentioned Jalen Hurts was working with somebody in Southern California, which is a change for him. So yeah, they're, they shifted and, and clearly they're concerned about the accuracy. That's what right. wants, what they want him to improve. Um, and then he kind of talked, uh, how we kind of talked about the targets yesterday, about the receivers and the, and the mm -hmm. style of offense, the Eagles were running in the, in the contradiction of, we need more targets for Devontae. Yeah. Smith he wants Devontae Smith. Smith to get the ball. That was pretty yeah. clear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I put this all in the bow thinking about where Jalen Hurts is in his career and he's very cost effective right now but that's about to change. The Eagles are going to, he's going to be up for an extension after this season. And we all see the cost of business of, of, of doing the cost of doing business at the quarterback position. Do you see a shift in this league? Um, sort of, uh, I've described it as a college like mentality where you got it. You got four years with a guy or five years with a red uh shirt. Do you keep trying to turn it over because you don't want to pay that big money to the Derek Carr level quarterbacks or the Kirk Cousins level quarterbacks? Because that's what you got to pay when a quarterback gets yeah. to that second deal if they're an mm -hmm. above average player. Hadn't thought about it that way, but you're right. However, that is still the holy grail. I mean, that position – you know, Jody, right before I came on, Jody was talking about the Rams and how Aaron Donald is their best player. Well, yes, but they've had Aaron Donald for several years. How many Super Bowls did they win with Aaron Donald until yeah. they exchanged Jared Goff for Matt Stafford, who makes a, a ton of money? Uh, you know, it, you don't you don't want to get stuck paying $40 million a year to a mediocre quarterback. And you know, that's going to be – they're going to have to make a decision on Jalen Hurts. You're right. And this is going to be the year. We're either going to know at the end of this year whether they consider him the guy that's going to win the Super Bowl here or 
they're going to draft or trade for or sign somehow a quarterback, uh, you know, in 2023. Um, you don't want to get stuck in that situation. You know, they made the wrong call on Carson Wentz, as it turned out. Nobody thought so at the time. I don't think anybody, when he signed that contract, no. thought, oh, my God. What a, everybody what thought doing? it was you know, Team Bradley, uh, yeah. really. It, yeah. But, yeah, that's, that is a big deal. I, now, we're looking at the cap, though. Everybody says there's going to be this cap explosion in 2023. Maybe it won't be quite like that. I just don't know. It, it is a fascinating discussion, and I don't know where it's going. But it is the most important piece, and you can get stuck paying you know a huge chunk of your cap to somebody who's not going to get you there. And, yeah, you don't want to be in that position. That is exactly right. All right. Uh, this question is for both you guys. And last, please, I want your answer, John. Uh, shame on me. I should have gotten it out of you earlier in the show. Part of what Howie said yesterday when he was defending the Derek Barnett signing was that we want to have a wave defensive line. Mm -hmm. uh, what does he mean by wave defensive line? I, I guess he means he wants depth. He wants to be able to yeah. shuffle people <clears throat> in and just, you know, be able to uh, not have uh, the the intensity go down when he brings in the second unit, which is something they had years ago. Uh, and, and that was, uh, you know, a, a big part of their success uh, years ago was being able to sub in, you know, the second unit and, and still get pressure on the quarterback and not be, you know, biting their fingernails on the sideline because, you know, they've got to give uh, – it's like when the when Doc Rivers sits out in bead and you know the lead goes from 19 points to four <laughs> in three minutes in you know, ten seconds. Uh, yeah. You don't want to, yeah. You don't want that. So they think Barnett's a guy. Clearly, they're not looking to at Barnett as a starter right now. And yeah. I think if Barnett ends up starting, that'll be a real kind of flashing red light about where we are. But you know they're looking at Barnett to come in and. I think he was trying to reassure fans that they didn't re-sign Derek Barnett thinking, oh, boy, we're set now. You know, yeah. I, I think they want to bring Derek Barnett off the bench maybe and think they'll get more out of him, you know, if he's playing fewer snaps and just charging straight ahead. Maybe he'll take fewer penalties if he's not on the field. Yeah. As much. Well, that yeah, yeah. percentage-wise. Can he take yeah. a penalty from the bench? I think that's really the question. It's always you know, somebody endless. runs out of it's bounds. Always in front of if anybody like can do it. Derek Barnett can do it. Yeah, it's yeah. always it's always him. Nick Sirianni started that. Remember, yes, he did. Mouth and so, but Les is right. It's a rotational position, defensive line. So the yeah. last thing you want to be is in the fourth quarter where you got to rush the passer and everybody's dog tired. So everybody wants that wave sort of where you can just roll in guys and they're still effective and they're able to go after the the pass rusher, but. Um, uh, one thing, uh, Nick also addressed this morning, Les, was, was, uh, the receiver position. And he said, Zach pass was going to have a role, which is not going mm -hmm. to excite many people. Um, but Quez Watkins is an interesting player to me because, yeah. um, I probably talked to you about this before I've talked to other people. He's one of those guys where the fan base seems to be skipping steps. They think, you know. All right, he's a he's a solid player. I would not I'm not comfortable with Quez Watkins as my wide receiver too. Where are you with with Quez Watkins? 
I want to see a lot more from him. It's uh, I think fans get excited because he catches one of those long balls, but we've seen a couple years of that, and it doesn't seem to translate into consistent, solid production. I'm not enough of a technician to really know if it's route running or, you know, focus or exactly what uh, keeps him from being, you know, a guy that can constantly produce rather than give you these flashes of, wow, look at that, you know, um, could be the quarterback, you know, and, and I think that was one kind of implication of what Howie was talking about yesterday about the targets, you know. I think they want Jalen Hurts to get the ball to these guys a little more than he has uh, rather than taking off with it or dumping it off or, you know, um, I don't know. I, I Quez Watkins is, you're right. I, I do think the fan base kind of overrates him a little bit uh, in terms of what he has accomplished to this point. And I'd like to know more, you know, we haven't been inside a locker room since Quez Watkins was drafted <laughs> and I, I, you know, it's uh, I'd love to talk to the guy and know what he's doing this off season and see what he thinks he needs to work on and, and what he's done, you know, to, to get better. But these are things that in a normal setup, you know, like we had four or five years ago, we'd have a much better handle on right now than yeah. I do sitting here at this moment. Uh, yeah. But that's, you're right. That's one of those things where people kind of, assume you know uh, stuff that hasn't been proven yet guys i'll ask you both because you're both beat reporters for the philadelphia eagles is it a foregone conclusion that you're going to be back in the locker room last year john this likes year. the kid that this year. Uh, yeah well this year i mean coming up in 2022 john that likes it, the kid everything that, we've heard from our writers association and so forth uh is that that will be the case i don't think the league this is a different sport in that there's so many players and the league PR staffs having to trot players, you know, grab players out of uh, training rooms and stuff and trot them out in front of, you know, to a tent or something in a wave of, you know, half a dozen or eight or, you know, this guy's leaving, this guy's coming. They need the, the whole, instead of having one person sort of stand in the locker room and watch us circulate, they have to have like four people monitoring comings and goings every time they do a media thing if there's no locker room. You know, you know what I'm saying? There's so, so many moving parts. I think, I don't think the teams are resistant to opening up the locker rooms in the sense that I don't think the media relations <laughs> staffs want to keep doing this relay race thing where they're bringing people in and out all the time. And it's, you know, 45 minutes of chaos for them. Uh, so I, I do think we'll be back in the locker rooms and uh, we'll see, you know, who knows what the next variant is or yeah, exactly. what the heck's going to happen at this point. But right now I think we're looking at a pretty normal year, but I right. do want to say one thing about my gig. Uh, I'm not really doing this to be a beat writer again. I, what, the thing that attracted me about it is I'm writing columns for NJ.com. Okay. I'm doing it as a freelance writer. I'm not really an employee. I have a contract. But uh, that's something I've always wanted to do and never really got to do in all of my years of coverage is consistently write columns, opinion pieces about, you know, where things are going and what's, you know, give a little more personality, a little more of myself in there. 
sometimes I did it whether I was supposed to or not, especially <laughs> back in the daily news days. But, yeah. you know, I'm officially, you know, these are columns. And that was kind of what, uh, you know, more than money or uh, anything else, that was what attracted me to this. And I'm pretty excited about it. I'm going to do it a couple times a week. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of like a retired guy. I'm kind of kind of straddling that gray area of I still want to be center stage, but I don't really want to work hard. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a good bit because Chris Franklin does a great job with NJ.com, yes. friend of the show, always on. Uh, and Les is doing a good job as a columnist who we love as well. And it's always good to see Les at the Novacare Complex when we get to see you, Les. But, you know, one of the things you said there was, you know, a word that struck me is normal. We're getting back to a more normal environment. And hopefully you're right. And I think as things go on right now and, and there is no new variant, we're probably going to be back in the locker room. But I want to talk about that word normal in a different sense, because... Mm-hmm. I, I, there was a shift really from the 2011 CBA and now even further to where I don't think a lot of fans realize, and Nick mentioned it today, you can't even talk football with these guys right now on the calendar year. You're not supposed to, which is kind of goofy. You know, I don't know how you yeah. police that, but you get the point. They don't get as much time with the players in the offseason the coaches as they used to, to say the least, if you go back many, many years. Right. And a lot of these guys are left to their own devices in the off season and they get their personal coaches. And it seems like the really great players in the modern environment are the ones that take advantage of their downtime by themselves. The one thing Jalen Hurts has always done, tremendously hard worker, always trying to get better. And now, as I mentioned earlier in the interview, he shifted to working out in Southern California. Could be Jordan Palmer. I don't know where Tom House is. He work out of Southern California. I, I do not know anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, but clearly it's one of those accuracy guys. Mm-hmm. Um, how important do you think that off-season work that nobody sees is, is important to this modern modern player? Oh, it certainly is. And and you're right. Peeling back the years to 2011, what I saw then was the Players Association wasn't able to get a lot money-wise or, you know, economically out of that agreement. But the the Players Association is dominated by veteran players, you know, because you don't get – in any job, you don't become a union guy, you know, when you walk in the first day. It's all veterans who are, tend to be very near the end of their contracts, and they're always having a problem with the union president is always a guy who's, like, about to get cut because he's 35 years old. In fact, that's happened <laughs> JC with J.C. Treader, who I don't think has a team right now. No. You know, but they got for, – for guys that have been around 8, 10 years – they didn't like all the off-season stuff. You know, they thought it had expanded too much, and there was too much that they had to, you know, too much time at the facility they had to spend, uh, too many workouts, too much, uh, you know, time that they didn't need as guys who had been around forever. And that was probably true for them. (laughs) It isn't true for guys who are in their first, second, third years 
you know, uh, and, and it's something that that's just it, it, it's something the union did that was a little bit short sighted and a little bit skewed toward a certain group, you know, of their of their constituency. And uh, yeah, you're right. It's all about what you're able to do on your own with, you know, whatever resources you have to get uh, better on your own, because they can't, you know, Jonathan Gannon can't be telling Avante Maddox anything about, you know, how the defense is going to line up this year or, you know, what his role is going to be or what he'd like to, you know, they have those meetings at the end of the season. I guess Gannon gives him, you know, I want you to work on this, 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 and this, but then it's all up to Avante Maddox. He either does it or he doesn't, you know, and uh, it is very different. You're right. than it was 15 years ago. All right. Last, last one from me. Uh, and I asked this of Mike Gill earlier, and I want you to take the answer in whatever direction you need to, um, because I've been accused of being a guy who can take a two-word question and make it into a two-paragraph question. <laughs> Maybe like I'm doing right here. Um, Jeff Laurie last year uttered the phrase transitional in describing the upcoming 2021 season, and we clung to it and we revisited mm -hmm. it on almost every turn during the course of the season. Jeff is supposed to speak today for the first time in almost 14 months. What phrase, if it's just one word, great. If you think it's a sentence, great. You got to take a paragraph to describe it. What will Jeff Laurie give us today as oh. what we should be looking for to describe the 2022 Eagles? Well, how he, came, how he uh, really stuck on the phrase building yesterday. And I guess I, I, I think you might hear that. I'm not, you know, with Jeffrey, it's, it's hard to predict Jeffrey. I mean, he's, oh, yeah. He might talk about his Oscar, card, you know? Yeah. He yeah. might um, talk about his Oscar. He might talk about Ukraine. He might talk. He, yeah. He's going to talk about what he wants to talk about. That's exactly <laughs> right. Um, but I think the message from the organization is going to be building patience. You know, they know they don't have the horses in the stable, you know, and, we might be hearing something different. Again, if they'd gotten Calvin Ridley in that safety, we might be hearing a different tone. If they'd have been able to convince, uh, you know, uh, a certain quarterback who went uh, who, who was in Seattle uh, last season to come east, I think we'd be hearing something very, very different. That's but very true. Russell Wilson is in Denver and not here, and he apparently he didn't consider any eastern teams, but. Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna hear that they're kind of a work in progress, and uh, you know people should be excited about these draft picks and and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, I but it's with Jeffrey, it's always uh, it's always interesting with Jeffrey. You, you know, it's uh, I wish we got more chances. You know, you don't want an owner like Jerry Jones who comes out at the end of every game and second guesses the coaching staff and the players, you know, but you would like to be able to check in with the owner at crucial times when things are going real well or real badly, you'd like to have an idea of what the owner is thinking. And you don't really, Jeffrey wants to stay, you know, out of the limelight uh, until his one or two times a year that he wants to talk. And, that's convenient for him. It's not great for fans and media. 
Yeah. Well, we are glad that uh, we're going to have more than once or twice a year with Les Bowen going forward. Looking forward to reading you at NJ.com. John is looking forward to sitting next to you in the press box because he says you're not a food glutton like some of the other Eagle beat writers, and that will leave extra food for him. So, uh, Les, appreciate <laughs> you coming on board. Looking forward to all your Eagle columns this upcoming year and whenever you hop on Birds 365 with us. Well, thank you, guys. Our pleasure. Les Bowen here with us. Not a beat writer but an Eagle columnist. He wanted to make sure we knew exactly what to look for for the last in the upcoming, from last in this upcoming year, whatever it is, will be good because less is good. Like he is whenever he comes on birds, three sixty five with us. All right, John McBowen, Jody McDonald, Mac and Mac guys, we're going to come back. Shockingly, we're going to put a bow on the show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. John McMullen and Jody McConnell putting a wrap on a Birds 365 Wednesday episode. Well, let me give you the exact numbers, John McMullen. This is show number 241. You've done this 241. stupid thing with me. I have to. We're coming up on 250. I got I to gotta make a note. But it's interesting you say the word number because the numbers are in, Jody. 
Derek Barnett. Oh, no, you got the DB numbers. What are they? It's interesting. It's actually a three-year, $13.21 million deal. But it's, you know, obviously it's it's really a one-year, $4.5 million guaranteed. So, right, we thought, I said one-year five. Right. So, he got one-year, $4.5 million guaranteed. Eagles essentially got to make a decision by the third day of, of the league year next year uh, where they can just get out of the deal. So essentially it's three years, 13.21 million, but it's really one year for 4.5 million 4. guaranteed. No incentives in there. Yeah, there's incentives. He's, he's got uh, seven, seven and a half million guaranteed for injury at signing. Um, there's a one and a half million guaranteed for skill uh at signing uh so that's an incentive uh and then the next year there would be a two million skill uh that would be an incentive so i gotta i gotta look at the whole thing but essentially it's a one year four and a half million dollar deal and that is as per what he delivers on a day in day out basis over the course of his career, not projecting him to get any better, but not projecting him to drop off and get worse. That's not an outrageous number. That's a, if he's just a situational substitution playing 30% of the plays, 33% rather than the 66% that he played last year. It's okay. But that's not, that's not the issue. The issue is, He's going to be playing, and is it going to keep the Eagles from playing someone who is younger, who can potentially get better than Derek Barnett ever, ever proved to be over the course of his now six-year Eagle career since he's going to get another year? We'll have to wait and see on that. All right, quickly, and I know we're over, over time already um, since we talked a lot about grading Howie Roseman and last year's extension should count at his free agent moves this year. You have to decide when a move is officially done and you can judge it. What grade would you give the Gennard Avery trade by Howie Roseman since Hmm. that door is officially shut because he signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday? A fourth-round draft pick in exchange for Gennard Avery. The two and a half years that Avery was in an Eagle uniform, how'd that trade work out? C-minus. I mean, I, I don't think it's a big deal because I don't think, you know, the fourth round pick I is probably not going to be a big deal. So it's always about, you know, then again, if you get a Bonte Maddox, you know what, you know. Fourth round pick. Jordan yeah. Mylata was a seventh round pick. I mean, and that's why I put it a little bit below average. You know, Gennard Avery didn't help you that much. He wasn't a terrible player. He probably, you know. You know, you could argue he was kept around a little bit too long uh, because he was traded for a fourth-round pick. But then Jonathan Gannon got here, and he was more valuable to Jonathan Gannon than um, uh, Jim Schwartz. But I, I, I will say, for what the Eagles wanted, the Eagles wanted, when they originally acquired him, and now that I'm, I'm thinking this out with you, they wanted him to be an edge rusher. He's just this undersized guy, very much like Hassan Reddick, but not as talented. Yeah, what for what they traded him to be, I got to I got to knock it down to a D. Yeah, uh, yeah, he he was not at all what they traded, what they wanted when they traded for him. 
and they did give him two and a half years to prove the fact that he was not what they thought they were getting when they acquired him and why they gave up a fourth-round pick. So I'm sorry to say, Howie, that's an L. Uh, it's going down in the, the column. Yeah, that's hell. fair, especially for what they projected. Yeah, they didn't get it all. All right, so we'll find out with Derek. But Derek Barnett gets to continue the evaluation because he'll be back with the birds again this year. And Johnny Mac just gave you the contract numbers. He'll break them down even more. That is certainly one of the things we'll be talking about tomorrow. But we'll also get a little bit more in depth in the draft. Our buddy John Mashoda, a draft guy who's been on with us before. Matt Manicharian. We what did John. I say? You said John Mashoda. Mashoda was out on Monday yeah. talking Cowboys. Matt Manicharian. Thank you for the correction, John. Um, Matt Manicharian will be with us tomorrow. We'll uh, do a draft spot with him. Uh, should be fun. Uh, so be right back here on Birds 365 in two and two. Does that work for you, John McMullen? Let's do it. 242 tomorrow. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Bum, 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 bum.